Good morning and happy Independence Day weekend, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you got to get your barbecue on and to celebrate the land of the free and the home of the brave. But today we have a very special service with communion and we're going to continue in our series today on the Sermon on the Mount. And we'll actually be talking about anxiety and worry and the unbelief of um, anxiety. Now, would you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25? Uh, did you know that this past Thursday, July 2nd, was officially the halfway point of 2020? Remember in the beginning of the year, it just, feel, it just felt like it was going to be, this was going to be your year. You know, I heard preachers and pastors say, oh, there's going to be 2020 vision and this is going to be a year of breakthrough and clarity. But 2020 has brought so much heartache and disappointments and anxiety and worry. Halfway through the point of the year, um, this COVID-19 pandemic has really brought about social and economic disruption. Uh, we're going through an economic recession right now. Um, there's political division, there's riots, there's lootings, there's quarantines, there's curfews, there's lockdowns, there's racial tension. And remember even a couple months ago, there was the murder hornets, right? And that was supposed to uh, just overtake our whole country like uh, the plagues in Egypt. Uh, but you know, even a couple of weeks ago, there was a shipping containers that uh, went overboard and it sunk in the bottom of Hilo. And it's so easy to be anxious and worry of what's going to happen next and so much uncertainty that it's so easy to be a worry wart. Now, I know Father's Day was two weeks ago, so I'm a day late and a buck short. But I have your dad joke of the day today, which has to do with worry. So here it is. What lies at the bottom of the ocean and twitches? A nervous wreck. The go All right. Let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Uh, we'll start on this uh, continuation of uh, choosing. Last week, we, we, Jesus went through of what you should choose, earthly treasure or heavenly treasure. And today we're going to talk about who's your master choose your master are you going to choose god or are you going to choose worrying all right and anxiety so verse 25 therefore i tell you do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing here's the command here look at the birds of the air they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Here's a second command. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, 
Do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father, the second time it's mentioned, knows that you need them all. Here's the thrust of this little section here. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And what's the conclusion? Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The more you open, not your newspaper, but you read the news, open your phone or your computer, it seems like it's getting bad to worse. Um, read a study that 45% of Hawaii households have seen their incomes decline during this pandemic. Almost half of the people have suffered a decline in their finances, not only in their finances, but also with our health. Uh, on Friday, a couple days ago, the state reported 29 new COVID cases, bringing the statewide total to 975, and it's the highest single day surge since April 4th, April, May, June, almost two months, we've had the highest new cases of uh, COVID. And as of July 2nd, halfway through the year, according to the U.S. Bankruptcy Court, a total of 151 Hawaii residents and businesses have filed for bankruptcy in June. Now, man, bad news, it travels fast. And when we hear bad news, our immediate reaction, not response, is usually one of worrying or one of anxiety and anxiousness of what's going to happen. What's going to happen to my health? What's going to happen if my family member gets sick? What if my parents, elderly parents, end up getting sick? What if my children get it? What, what's going to happen to you know, our savings? What's going to happen to how are we going to live our lives? And, and during this time, it's really a time where we need to press in and choose faith over anxiety. And here's my main point uh, this morning. Would you write this down in your notes? What you worry about the most often reveals what you trust God the least. Woo, that's so good. I got to repeat that. What you worry about the most. What are you worried? Is it your health? Is it the finances? Is it if you own a business? How long can you keep open? How long can you keep hemorrhaging before you close down? What you worry about the most, it often reveals what you trust God the least. We're going to have communion today, and before we partake communion, uh, we're instructed to examine ourselves. So examine yourself. What has consumed your thought life? What fears have gripped your soul? What are you worried about most? Because what you worry about most, it often reveals what you trust God the least. Now, there's a story about a woman 
who had trouble getting sleep because at, um, she feared that there would be burglars. Now, one night her husband heard a noise in the house and went downstairs to investigate what happened. And when he got there, sure enough, he found a burglar. Good evening, the husband said. I'm pleased to meet you. Come upstairs and meet my wife. She's been waiting 10 years to meet you. <laughs> you see here, she was so concerned about burglars and so concerned about her safety. And what we worry about most often reveals what you trust God the least. Here's another principle. Would you write this down? The root of anxiety is unbelief. The root of anxiety is unbelief. Stop for a moment and think about how many different sinful actions and attitudes come from worrying or anxiety. Anxiety about our finances can give rise to coveting or greed and hoarding and stealing. Anxiety about succeeding at some task can make you irritable, abrupt, and surly. Anxiety about relationships can make you withdrawn and indifferent and uncaring about other people. Anxiety about how someone will respond to you can make you cover over the truth and lie about things. So you need to hear me, church. So if, you, so if anxiety can be conquered, if anxiety can be defeated by faith, a lot of sins would be overcome. But what is the root of anxiety? We read in our section here that Jesus four times, he tells us not to be anxious. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Verse 27, and which of you by being anxious can add one bit to his span of life? Verse 31, therefore do not be anxious. Verse 34, do, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. So four times Jesus warns us and he commands us. These aren't suggestions. These are imperatival commands, imperatives. He says, don't be anxious, don't be anxious, don't be anxious. But in verse 30, he makes a connection between unbelief and anxiety. He says, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you of what? Little faith. See, for Jesus, anxiety and not trusting and worrying about everyday basic necessities like food and clothing and shelter, anxiety is connected or is rooted in what? Oh, you of little faith. It's rooted in unbelief. The root of anxiety is lack of faith in our Heavenly Father. That's why twice Jesus says, Your Heavenly Father, how much more will He clothe you? How much more will He provide for you? As unbelief gets the upper hands in our hearts, one of the results is anxiety. I love this quote by George uh, Muller when he says, The beginning of anxiety... So when, when you begin to get anxious, the beginning of anxiety is the end 
of faith. And the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. When we begin to be anxious, we move from faith to what? Fear. But when we begin to trust in God, in your Heavenly Father, my Heavenly Father, then we transition away from and we move away from anxiety. Now, George Muller, uh, he was an evangelist and he did great work in uh, orphans in England. You know, there's legends and stories about um, one of the things he was known for was he did not ask for private donors or donations. There would be often times it would be recorded throughout history that um, they would not have enough food to feed the orphans. And he's like, well, let's prepare the table. And he would pray as as soon as he finished praying, there would be a knock on the door. There would be groceries that would come. In fact, George Muller cared for 10,024 orphans during his lifetime. He established 117 schools in Christian education to more than 120,000 people. His ministry, which he didn't ask donations for, because he understood that the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. He gave 285,000 Bibles, 1.4 million New Testament Bibles, and 244 um, Christian tracts in literature. The root of anxiety is unbelief. Would you trust God with your basic everyday need and Jesus he has two action points for us and we'll go ahead and go there number one here's our application point look at the birds fill that in and I believe what Jesus is saying here is that you have inherent value Let's read verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more, here it is, value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? The first reason Jesus gives to his disciples what they should not worry is they should look at the birds of the air. See, birds, they expend energy doing what is natural, such as building nests and collecting food for their young. But listen, it is actually God who cares, who nurtures, and who provides for birds. Psalm 104, verse 10 through 16. The point that Jesus is making here is that Jesus' disciples are responsible to carry out the proper ways of life ordained by God. And God is faithful to sustain us and to provide for us. Birds of the air, you're much more valuable. You are made imago Dei. You're made in the image of God. Let's look at Psalm chapter 8, verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, 
which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and you've crowned them with glory and honor. Did you guys catch that? That you, as you are, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. That you were knitted in your womb. That God knew you and calls you by name. And that you're made in God's image. The thumbprint, the signature of God is upon you. You know, William Shakespeare, his signature, there's only six verified authentic signatures and each signature has value. It's worth from $3 million to $5 million. How much more of your Heavenly Father? You are formed. You know, every other thing that God made in all of creation, He spoke it into existence. It's called creation ex nihilo, from nothing God would speak. Let there be birds, let there be trees, let there be mountains, let there be waters, let there be rivers, and God spoke it. But when it came to people, when it came to human beings, it says that God, he went to the ground from dust and he formed, he didn't speak, he formed. The Hebrew word there is yatsar. He formed, he molded, he shaped. It almost speaks of like Isaiah, that he is a potter and we are the clay. Not only that God's mold and shape, but he what? He breathed the breath of life into us. If God would provide for the birds, how much more you have intrinsic value. Not because you're, you could do anything, not because you're special, not because you have anything to offer God. God loves you for who you are right where you're at. You have value, your soul has value that God would give of his only begotten son to save you, to have a relationship with you, to bring you closer to his heart. You have value. If God could provide spiritually, he could provide for you physically. He could put food on your table. He could put um, clothes over your back and he could put shelter over your head. Secondly, would you write down, consider the lilies, you are an eternal soul. Let's look at verse 28, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, what? Oh, of little faith. When we don't trust God, 
with basic necessities like food or clothing and we're anxious about what's going to happen in the future we're anxious about the basic necessities we don't believe we are unbelief we have unbelief in our hearts Hebrews says, be careful lest any one of you has an evil and unbelieving heart. Would you trust God? You know, the lilies of the field, um, they use during the summertime when the, the, the flowers, there were actually anemones in, this, in the flowers of Galilee when Jesus would be talking about. They would use these flowers that would be purple and these beautiful flowers that would rise up, it would just die. And they would use that to throw into the fire to bake bread. And all throughout scripture, it's peppered how the grass withers, the flowers fade, right? And our life is but a breath, it's but a mist. Meaning that something as mortal, something as quick and temporal as a flower, God would clothe with color. How much more of you, that you are an eternal soul. C.S. Lewis says, you don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. You have a soul that God would give his life for this morning, church. And this idea in the Bible... Uh, I think Paul has a pretty good theology of this. It's this, how much more? If God can take care and clothe lilies of the field that are here today and gone tomorrow, but you, you're, you are an eternal soul that would live on for all of eternity. Jesus says, hey, I got you. Your life, I'm trustworthy, I am good. How much more? In Romans chapter 5, through one man's disobedience, Adam's disobedience, many were made sinners. How much more, through one man's obedience, Jesus, obedience to death on the cross, how much more will be made righteous? You see here this superlative idea of how much more? How uh, Adam messed up. And many were made sinners, all were made sinners, but how much more through Christ's obedience? In Romans 11, Israel's failure means riches for Gentiles, but how much more will Israel's full inclusion bring blessings unto the Gentiles? Would you have the courage to trust your Heavenly Father? Ask yourself, has there been a time where God has failed? The answer is, God has never failed. God will never fail. Even though we are faithless, He is what? Faithful. Uh, I'll close today with uh, just a real-life testimony Earlier in our marriage, it was a big struggle. Uh, I think we're living with uh, my parents um, because we couldn't afford to live out on our own. And um, we were 
our income was below poverty level. And um, I was like, okay, babe, we got to be super disciplined. So we went on this cash or the envelope system. So, you know, uh, $40 a week for gas or, and, you know, 120 for groceries. And we had this you know, $20 for, for eating out or whatever. And so Renee just went window shopping with the kids. Make the long story short, someone stole her purse um, in the department store. And Renee called me crying. I was like, hey, babe, somebody stole my purse. I found my purse, but, you know, thank God my ID, my wallet was there, but our, all of our cash is gone. We don't have groceries or gas money for the week. And I believe that was on a Friday. And here I was, you know, thinking like, oh, Lord, what, what are we going to do? And I, I preached that Sunday. I remember it was a long day. We had youth group devotions early in the morning, preached for the Tagalog service. I'll preach for the English service, and I taught a ministry uh, institute class. And um, it was such a long day. And as we were going home, getting into the car, there was a, a lady at our church, a little five-foot-nothing sweet lady, black lady. Her name was uh, Juanita. And she came back with three bags of groceries. And you know what the amazing thing was? Everything that she bought is usually the stuff that we get, whether it's yogurt or blueberries. You know, I'm lactose intolerant like most Asians, so, you know, there was like almond milk on there. But the crazy thing was, here I was, I was, I was like, Lord, look at this, we're suffering for you. We can't even make it out. Look, now our grocery money has got stolen. What are we going to do? And this woman, Juanita, she lived um, on public housing. She lived in Skid Row in downtown. She took the bus to church, and she would just be worshiping. And to top it all off, she had cancer, and she walked to the grocery store in her frail cancer-stricken body bringing groceries and food for Renee and I and, and for our boys. Man, seek first the kingdom. What does it mean to, to seek the righteousness of God? To, it means to trust God, to look at God as your heavenly Father. And when you do that, all these things will be added unto you. So we're going to close this time with communion. So let's go ahead and prepare our hearts for communion this morning. As you are getting ready in your homes to participate and enter into this time of communion in the Lord's Supper, may I, I remind you that the New Testament uh, communion is the Old Testament Passover. That before Israel was to be set free, that God sent an angel that whoever had the blood of the lamb put on the doorpost. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins, that the angel of death would pass over and spare the life. 
And what we commemorate this morning is that through the perfect Lamb of God, Jesus, that He died on the, our death on the cross that we deserved, that this holy Lamb of God lived a holy, perfect, sinless life so that He could be an acceptable, blameless Lamb of God. And as we eat of the bread this morning and we drink of the cup, Let's remember the victory at the cross. Let's remember that it is finished, that all righteousness has been fulfilled, that we are accepted, that the righteousness of Christ clothes us. And as we eat this morning, could you examine yourself? What are you worried about? What are you stressed out? What are you most anxious about? Because what you're worried about, usually, oftentimes, it reveals where you trust God the least. So maybe it's uh, relationships with your family. For some of us, it's our children, that we have this over-anxious anxiety over our children, and maybe we made an idol out of them. You need to trust God that Jesus is a good shepherd. All right? Whether it's your health, whether it's your relationships, your finances, examine, lay them down before the footstool of the cross, and you could look up to a God who loves you. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, For I receive from the Lord, which I now deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, the broken body of Christ. He gave thanks and said, this is my body broken for you. Eat of this in remembrance of me. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, search us and know us this morning, O oh God. Reveal any anxious thoughts. Lord, I pray, O oh God, that our anxiety would turn into confidence. Lord, that our unbelief, Lord, would lead into faith. Father, I pray, God, that you would cleanse us right now. We don't want to receive this in an unworthy manner. Lord, as we eat of your broken body, oh Lord God, I pray that you would bring wholeness to us, mind, body, soul, spirit, that there would be a wholeness, oh Lord God, to our lives here on earth. We thank you, Jesus, that you have come to bring abundant life to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and eat of the bread. same manner after supper he took the cup saying this cup is a new covenant a new promise in my blood drink of this as often as you eat for as often as you eat of the bread and drink of the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes so let's proclaim the life the death and the resurrection of Jesus and let's drink of the cup Amen.